CB On Air, cutting edge conversations with those in the central banking community. Hello and welcome back to CB On Air's Womenomics series. I am Rachel King, Associate Editor for Central Banking. This will be our last episode before the Christmas break and I'm pleased to announce that we have two speakers um, from the European Central Bank joining me for today's discussion. We have Anne Sylvie from uh, the Human Resources Department and Anna, who is an economist within the research department there. Um, welcome both of you and thank you for joining me. Pleasure. My pleasure as well. Um, at the end of our, our previous episode with Martin from the IMF, we, we talked about some of the initiatives um, being undertaken by central banks, one of which was gender targets. Now, I know that the ECB introduced their own gender targets in around 2013, um, and they've been implemented with, with some success. Um, would you guys be able to talk a little bit about how the targets work and, and the impetus behind implementing them? Yes, of course. Uh, the first thing that I would like to say is that, uh, but uh, I guess we will be talking about that uh, as well a bit later, is that gender is only one aspect of our diversity and, in and inclusion initiatives. But of course, it is an important one. And this is why we also set targets. The goal being with targets to sharpen our focus, sharpen our commitment, but as well to provide a concrete aspiration where to go to and a framework within which we could assess and monitor progress. And I think they have served us well in that, uh, in that respect, because indeed we uh, manage by, by having them and by being very focused on them to achieve several uh, significant progress in several business areas as well as in several uh, areas and levels. For instance, just to quote a few figures, since the end of 2012, our female population in, in respect of senior management grew from 9% to circa 20%. Our overall female managerial population grew from 15% to 28%, and our principal expert population grew from 23 to 31%. So, indeed, this is tangible progress. However, I would not say that we are there yet. Our targets are ambitious, and we need to remain patient and determined. And the reason why we want to remain patient and determined is that we want to achieve sustainable change and not just cosmetic fix. And of course, like all other institutions, we are facing some challenges. So uh, I, for those listeners that don't know what your target is um, and who they apply to, is, is, the, is the target across the whole of your, your employee quota or is it for certain sectors? And, and what, what are those numerical targets? So the targets are both for the uh, over. They, they apply at several levels of the population. They apply, first of all, to our senior management population, where the target is 28% by the end of uh, 2019. Then we have the overall managerial population, for which we have a specific target of 35%. And we have our principal expert population, where the target is, uh, is 42%. And then we have our expert population, the pipeline, if you wish, where the target is 50%. Mm -hmm. So it gradually increases kind of towards the, the lower end of the spectrum. Yes, uh, we, we, we try to pay attention to all uh, aspects of the spectrum, of course, very visible appointments at senior management level, but also paying attention to the pipeline. Mm -hmm. and, and the response from staff, has it, has it been positive? Are they supportive of the targets? I think, as in every institution and for such measures, you have the whole range of reactions. 
but I think there's uh, acknowledgement that we needed to have them, that targets are uh, uh, also emphasized that it is a strategic priority for the uh, institution, and as I said before, that it allows us also to monitor progress. So uh, on that, I think there is a, a recognition that it is needed. After that, of course, we uh, have in constant efforts to, to secure buy-in from, from the whole population. And uh, since it is a gender target, we are specifically engaged with our male population. And there we are quite lucky in as much as we have a number of committed male colleagues who support us. We have also two high-level sponsors. We have board member Benoit Curé, who's the diversity sponsor, as well as a chief services officer, Michel Diemer. With the broader male population, the whole discussion is around how can we avoid that this is a zero-sum game, Me meaning some colleagues who have uh, you know, worked hard all their lives and now saying, are you going to just shut the door in front of my face and I will not be able to progress anymore? And I think this is a valid question. And of course, what we are working hard at is to reassure our male colleagues that this does not mean that this is the end of, uh, of career prospects for them. We want to also continue to provide them an environment where they can grow and be recognized. But what we want to provide as well is a level playing field for women. So ensure that women feel that they can apply, that they can safely compete, and that they can be recognized, and that we are creating the conditions for them to, to achieve that. And if you want to illustrate that by, by a metaphor, what we say is that maybe for, for decades, male colleagues were alone on the starting line, and the female colleagues were maybe you know 10 meters behind, and we want them to all be equal at the starting line and then ensure that we have a fair competition process in place. So this is the conversation that is taking place at the moment uh, within the Hub. Could you tell us, Anna, a little bit about what your research is focused on and some of some of the general outcomes from that research? Um, we are looking actually at, at gender gaps at the ACB. We examine gender differences in career progression and in promotions at the level of experts and professional experts. We use confidential, anonymized personal data from 2003 to 2017. And in terms of promotion, what we find is that women at the ECB were actually less likely to be promoted to a higher professional level up until 2010-2011, when the ECB issued a public statement supporting diversity and the Human Resources Department started to implement the diversity policies. After that, and following this change, the promotion gap actually disappeared. Um, we look very deeply into why and which are the forces behind this dynamic in the promotion gap to find that um, this absence of promotion gap after 2010-2011 is actually masking a lower probability of women to apply for promotion combined with a higher probability of women to be selected, conditional on having applied. Once they applied, they are more likely to win the promotion, which um, could be thought in principle as positive discrimination, but uh, it is not, because a result showing how following promotion, women actually perform in terms of salary progression better than men who have been also promoted, hinting to uh, merit rather to discrimination in this probability of being selected. Okay. Um, now, 
this is something we've talked about in previous episodes that women are less likely to apply for promotions and there may be some kind of psychological aspect to the fact that they don't put themselves forward did you go into any detail on why you why women weren't weren't putting themselves forward I I recognize that this is a historical data set but have you have the HR department or the central bank ever surveyed um the women in in the employee I guess hierarchy and found out how they felt at all Okay, okay. Uh, I just wanted to mention that with this data, actually, we cannot go in detail into that, but uh, obviously, our results point um, to this kind of explanation, the supply side explanations as known in the literature. Um, and um, this, for example, we consistently find that women are more likely to apply when they are supported by a mentor. All this taken together um, could advise uh, any human resources department, in particular ours, um, to implement measures that aim at lowering these barriers, in other words, to encourage women to seek for promotion and to apply for promotion opportunities. And maybe Anne Sylvie can tell about uh, this is implemented. Yes, exactly. So we have a mentoring scheme in place with a particular emphasis on women, and this is uh, highly appreciated by our, by our female uh, colleagues. They indeed said that it helped to uh, lower the barriers and encourage them to, to apply in certain situations. We have also a leadership uh, program that is specifically targeted at, at, at women. And uh, although, of course, we want to have men on board and not only have uh, women, uh, measures which are targeted at women, they also appreciate very much having a safe space where they can also share their concerns and get experience from others and uh, having kind of support groups uh, that, is, uh, that is very important. Another measure that we also took uh, was to, um, to roll out uh, inclusiveness training, so uh, training in order to uncover uh, unconscious biases, including in recruitment, and that also helped the women women thinking, oh, maybe I stand a better chance now. Uh, so all, all those measures are taken in in, uh, in in conjunction in order to really feel that women are supported and uh, and that we are accompany them through that uh, through that journey, starting with the first step, which is applying. Is is your mentoring scheme for all your junior employees, or is it just for your your female junior employees? It is for all employees, but we have a specific uh, focus on, on on women. That is that uh, to say that if uh, if we feel short of, of possibilities, we will prioritize the the, the 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 female. But we try to support all our employees. Okay, and the, and the mentors. Have you paired um, young women with more senior women, or have you just paired them with a more senior employee? With a, we, we have all, poss- all possible uh, situations because we start with a questionnaire where the mentee uh, explains their needs and uh, what they hope to get from the program. And for some, they really want to have a female role model, and it's very important for them to have uh, really that it's a female, and others not. And uh, and then we try to dig deeper into the situation, sometimes interviewing them also, understanding better what is their need, and then we do the matching. So we have the whole spectrum of, of situations there. Mm-hmm. And obviously, the figures seem to reflect that the, this mentoring scheme is working. Um, as Anna said, since I think she said 2010, 2011, you've seen that promotion gap and that wage gap close. Um, so do you think there's scope for uh, other components of your diversity strategy? Or are you happy with the measures that you've got in place currently? 
this is a constant endeavor. So by definition, I think we will never be just fully happy and satisfied. We will continue to analyze uh, what we can do more. And uh, this is a journey. So, um, and in that, uh, again, the, the, the targets and, uh, and, and having measurements have helped us because it helps us to focus what we, what we need to work on. So, for example, another measure that we have taken recently is that we are working with a, with a company which is called EDGE, so it's Excellence in Gender Diversity, and, uh, and we are trying to obtain certification from that company, which is uh, also working with a number of other institutions. And as part of, uh, of that process, there is a survey, there is also an anal analysis of our data, and uh, there is an audit, an external audit, and we will know which level we, we are at. And uh, that will provide us some further insights on what we need to pay more attention to and how to, and how to further progress. So I, I would say really a constant uh, endeavor. Uh, and also, this is um, why earlier I was saying for us gender is one aspect, because we want that to be part of a broader perspective in order to have a broader conversation in the organization on how can, can we have an optimal workforce in order to deliver on our mission. And so we have uh, broadened the conversation to include also such aspects as uh, nationality, religion, ethnic origin, sexual orientation, age, cultural background, disability, uh, and putting a lot of emphasis as well on inclusion, because diversity alone does not, is not sufficient in order to ensure excellence. And uh, I was um, a few months ago at a conference, Anna was there actually as well. Uh, we were at a conference of Bank of England on diversity. There was a colleague from Bank of Canada who uh, made a very um, good uh, metaphor on, on that, and I've been quoting her shamelessly ever since. <laughs> <laughs> and she said that uh, diversity is like um, uh, making sure that you invite different people to your party, which is the first step. But then the second step is ensuring that people can really thrive and have fun on the dance floor, and that is the inclusion part. And for us, that, that part is as, uh, as important as the other, and it is not focused only on gender, but also on the other dimensions so that everybody can bring their best self and their full self to work. So, for example, if I can quote in another field something that um, for me was a very special moment, uh, is we, we raised the rainbow flag during, on the Idahot. So the Idahot is the International Day Against Homophobia, Transphobia, and Biphobia. And you really have to picture this. I mean, I, I remember it very vividly. It was a, a very nice day, bright blue sky, slight wind, and you come to the ECB in the morning, and what you see is the rainbow flag floating aside the European ones. And this was really very, very inspiring, and it not only did it send a positive signal to our LGBT community, but it also portrayed us as a, an inclusive employer, and it also had a positive impact on women and on, on, on other uh, aspects of diversity because it shows that we are committed. And we are told as well that it inspired other banks to do the same. So these are the types of actions that we also strongly believe in. I think that's really important, being transparent about the issue and making statements um, helps to kind of raise awareness around the issue um, and you guys have been incredibly transparent in reporting on your kind of employee makeup and things like that um, so my question for you is kind of in setting some of these policies is there a reputational risk if if 
you don't fulfill those requirements or um, your staff don't feel that that the the policies are being met um, how do you guys deal with that is it just being transparent again and coming out and admitting oh we, we've not managed to meet this this either target or we've not managed to kind of reach out enough to certain groups of people how, how do you guys manage that I think we have to acknowledge that changing from, uh, if we take, for example, the gender part, huh? changing from a male-dominated institution to a more gender-balanced one takes time. And, uh, and and therefore, we are fully committed to it. We set ourselves these targets, which are incredibly ambitious, because they provide also an aspiration. And and also, they show that we, we, we really mean business. When, when we say it, we, we are really true about it, and we will focus a lot of efforts and that uh, the institution has constantly uh, kept its focus on, on it. So, and we will continue to be transparent. We, we acknowledge also that we, we face some, some difficulties, and I can name a few if, if, if you wish. For example, uh, we are uh, all financial other financial institutions and central banks, well, virtually all of them, are also trying to increase their intake of fem female talent. So this means that we are all competing to fish in what is a rather small pond. So when a sister institution succeeds, on the one hand, we are very happy for the overall community. On the other hand, it makes our own journey a little more bumpy at times. So we have to, to acknowledge that and be transparent about it and say, okay, it is difficult, but we will never cease to, to try and we'll never cease to, to, to want to progress and, and we will be, be transparent about it. Another challenge that we face as well is the pipeline, because I quoted some figures at the beginning, but the figure that has not evolved as much as we would have liked it to evolve is the pipeline, and by that I mean the population of female experts. And this has remained stable at, a, stable at around 40%. And uh, so, and of course, if you do not have an increased pipeline, then it makes it more difficult uh, as you as you go further up the ladder. But having targets and being transparent uh, about them has helped us also to identify the issue. And since we know that that it's also with the pipelines, well, we have uh, put in place other measures such as uh, specific talent days for women. We have ensured also that our vague, that uh, job adverts are gender neutral. Uh, we have enrolled this uh, unconscious bias training that I mentioned also earlier. So I think we will continue to say uh, we, we want to progress and, and acknowledge the challenges that we face along the way transparently. I think you've touched upon one of the greatest issues here is that women just don't want to be studying economics anymore or just feel that it's not a, it's not a uh, career for them. Um, so do you feel that there is a role for central banks to play kind of taking a step back and going into schools and showing young women that central banking is a is a career for them because i think we we need to step in almost sooner than where we are now it's all well and good having these kind of open days for for women and going in and speaking to newly graduated students but if if they're not even taking up the degree then the problem is not going to resolve itself um, do you think there's a role for central banks in that regard? Yes, I think there's a role for all uh, for, for all the the, the euro system, uh, central uh, national central banks included, and we partner with also national uh, other banks in order to achieve that. And for sure, the sooner we can instill this uh, this, this wish to uh, 
uh, to study economics, then the, the, the better. We know that uh, with similar sets of skills, for example, that uh, females tend to uh, go maybe more in, in now in, even in STEM. And although we have women who, who go into, into STEM. So we're trying to tackle that by reaching out uh, at an earlier stage, but also by uh, portraying ourselves as an inclusive employer, uh, where, where, where women will feel that they can apply and that they can, uh, and, and that they can thrive once they, once they are with us, uh, and joining forces also with other central banks in order to indeed uh, mention that uh, economics is a rewarding career for men and women alike. So we're on the verge of 2019. It's just around the corner, literally a couple of weeks away. Um, obviously, you've set your deadlines um, for next year. But for you guys, what are your main goals? What What do you hope to achieve next year, kind of in this regard? As, uh, as long as we have the targets in place uh, and, and we have them until 2019, and then we will uh, reflect on what we will do next, our, our main goal is to try to get as close as possible to our to to our targets, and uh, uh, so this is our, our key outreach. It is a strategic priority, as you also said yourself. It is very very visible. So getting there, and after that, the inclusion part, which is making sure that the women who are selected feel supported and that they can succeed, and uh, uh, and uh, that uh, that they feel fully part of of the game and. Uh, so those are the, the, the two uh, aspects that we work on. Getting this certification as well that I mentioned will be a key milestone for us because uh, I'm very much hoping that we get further insights, like the insights that we got from Anna's research were extremely valuable for us. And I'm hoping to get from, uh, from the EDGE certification process also further insights as to what to focus on. But, um, uh, but yes, this uh, both... Uh, progressing on, on the intake of, of women uh, at all levels and also equipping, uh, equipping them to succeed and uh, continuing also the conversation with the, with the male colleagues uh, to uh, make them see that it is, there's something in it for them as well to, 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 to support this whole uh, um, Because ultimately the aim is for all of us because it is through by fostering diversity, the ultimate goal is to avoid groupthink. And if we avoid groupthink, this means that we are better equipped to uh, to make decisions that are that are effective because we are also more flexible and more open in our in our thinking. And this is in in our collective interest. I have no doubt that you guys will be working hard to meet those goals. And Anna, I'm sure there'll be other central banks watching closely to see what you do going forward with regard to your research. Um, I imagine some of them have already been in contact to try and pick your brain about how they can do similar studies. Um, so I want to thank you both for joining me today. The discussion's been really interesting and I know our listeners um, will find your case study um, incredibly helpful in, in terms of what action you've taken and the issues you've combated. Um, so thank you again. Thank, thank, thank you. you as well. Thank, thank you. you very much for the opportunity. No worries. Um, I, along with everyone at Central Banking, would like to wish you and our listeners a very happy Christmas. Um, we will be back on air in January. <laughs>